Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. Today I want to look at, look at Luke 15 with a fresh set of eyes. And if you got your Bible today, go Luke 15. I'm going to read 13 verses. I'm going to pray. And here's why I think you should pay attention today is I actually believe that what I'm going to share with you is really the answer and the solution to satisfaction and fulfillment. Who wants to live a satisfied life? Who wants to come on? Who wants to experience a fulfilled life? Now, it's interesting. We live in America, so we have more than everybody else. We have nicer houses, faster cars, better trips, go on greater vacations, have more expensive wardrobes. But it's interesting that even though we live in one of the best places on the earth, we're as empty as any civilization's ever been. We have greater technology than ever before, but we have more depression, discouragement, and there's more people looking for hope and looking for satisfaction than any other time period in history. And so today, I would like to look at something ancient to solve a present-day problem. Is that all right? Luke 15, if you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. If it gets good today, you can say, preach. You can say, get it. Say it. Whatever. I'll take whatever. Bangerang. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. Luke 15, verse 11, it says this. Jesus talking here in parables, which is uh, not literal. It's just God using a story to illustrate a principle. It says this, then a certain man, verse 11, Jesus talking, a certain man had two sons. How many sons? The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Someone say, give me. This is the mantra of our generation. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to them his livelihood. Not many days after that, the younger son gathered all, journeyed to Las Vegas, I mean to a far country. And there he wasted his possessions on prodigal living. And when he had spent all, spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And it says he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the food that the, the, the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's house cleaners, pool cleaners, have bread enough to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. I will now arise. I will go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. So he got up. He went to his father. And while he was still a great way off, we know the story, his father saw him. Father had compassion on him, fell on his neck and began to kiss him. And the son said to him, Dad, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy. That's our generation. We're no longer worthy. We feel unworthy of a good God. And it says this, uh, make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and, 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 and he said this, uh, or, or while he was still talking, excuse me, the father stopped him and he said, bring out, someone say, the best. Yes. Say it one more time, the best. Today, I want to talk to you about the best. Simply the best is the name of this sermon if you're a churchgoer, a thesis if you're a student, big idea if you're a TED talker. Are you ready? Bring out the best and uh, the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his, uh, his feet, his hand, <laughs> ring on his toe, ring on his foot. <laughs> That's for Pastor Dustin. Uh, 
put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring out the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For the son of mine is, was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to be merry. It's a great picture of Christianity. Uh, I don't know if you hear uh, Yanny or Laurel. I'm not sure if you watched the royal wedding yesterday. Can we all be honest? The bishop of the wedding was the real MVP. But today's going to be a great day. If you've never heard God's voice, I believe you're going to hear it in the next 25 minutes. If you never sensed his presence, you're going to, I believe, sense it today. Some of you, there's actually someone in here, you, have a, uh, you got a, a really significant health scare this week. Uh, I think part of it was cancer, and there's someone else in here that you had a really bad rash break out on your body, and the doctors aren't even sure what it is. I believe God is going to heal you in this service. And uh, it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to fall on the floor and roll around. It's Pentecost Sunday. It could happen. Come on. But I want you to know that God can heal you as you sit there taking notes. And so today, I'm going to talk for a few moments on simply the best. And I want to answer, I believe, a, a problem that's epilepsy, uh, epidemic in our uh, society today. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be in Allen, Texas, my favorite church in the area. I ask you, Lord, today that you would meet us where we are, whether we're a first-time churchgoer or we come every single week. I just thank you that you would speak to us, that you would meet us, and that you would guide us from this day forward. We thank you that you're in this room today in Jesus' name. And somebody said a good old-fashioned, amen. Is there anybody in here that's like me that you are addicted to looking up the best of anything that you're interested in? For instance, is there anybody that goes on a vacation and you want to go to the best restaurant? No, okay. I got to go, guys. Tough crowd. (laughs) Who goes to the ocean? You want to go not just to any ocean. I want to go to the best beach. You're going to sushi. I don't want to just eat any old fish. I want to eat the best fish in the area. I'm going to watch sports. I don't want to watch any sports team. I want to watch the best sports team. I love the NBA playoffs because it brings out the best athletes, most uh, aggressive and competitive nature. And I'm telling you right now, there's something about the best that I think all of us have in common that we are attracted to it. I don't know why, but when I buy a car, I want the best car for the best. Come on. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm researching something, I want to know what the best is. I want to live in the best neighborhood. I want to live. I want my kids to go to the best, not just any school. Come on. Where are you at, moms? My, my baby's going to the best school. We'll spend more money on the house so we can live in the best school district. I, I, I want to I I listen to music, but I want to listen to the best, the best music. Uh, we, we have celebrations every year like the Grammys that celebrate the best musicians. We have the Oscars every year, celebrates the best actors in Hollywood, best actresses in Hollywood. We, we watch things uh, like, like uh, on ESPN, the ESPYs. We want to know what the best plays of the year were. People Google best football game in history. People Google uh, best, uh, it's just we go on this rampage of, of uh, we get in an accident, we want the best lawyer. Come on. Johnny Cochran, we all know who it is. We, we want the best lawyer. We, we, we are obsessed with, if we're going to go hiking, I don't want to go on any trail. I want to go on the best hiking trail for families. And it's interesting that throughout, throughout, I don't know, history, human beings have always celebrated, applauded, and congregated where the best was evident. When America goes to the Olympics, we don't just randomly select four people from the streets. <clears throat> Come on, that'd be embarrassing. You know what we do is we send our very, very best athletes. We want them to represent us. 
Why? Because we are attracted to winning. Why? Because we love the best. I always tell people I'm a Christian because I hate losing. <clears throat> My grandparents had a bumper sticker on their Crown Victoria. Come on, somebody. It said, I know the future. God wins. I hate losing. I know the future. Why in the world would you be into witchcraft, the occult? Come on. I know that they lose. All God does is win. Come on. Uh, he, he's a winner. I, and and we're, we're attracted to, to winning. And, and I don't know why. It doesn't matter who you are. No one starts a business and says, you know what I hope I do? Barely make it. I'm getting married, but I'm hoping that one day we have a mediocre marriage. We're going to have kids, hope they're decent. Why is it that everything we have in our lives, isn't it interesting, when you fantasize at your cubicle at work, you never fantasize about worst case scenario. What do we call it? It's best case scenario. Why? Because you're attracted to best. The guy standing next to you at the altar was your, come on, best man. People get mad when they give people the best years of their life. People say, that was the best memory of my childhood. It's interesting, throughout, throughout our lives, we are drawn, we're attracted to best. And I believe the reason why you crave, absolutely crave the best, is it's not weird, it's not abnormal. The reason why humanity craves the best is because we come from the best. It's a very simple answer. Do you know why you're obsessed with the best? Because you came from it. Genesis 1.27 says that God made us in his image. Do you know who our God is? He is the greatest entity in the universe. He's the best counselor. He's the best doctor. He's the best forgiver. He's the best creator. He's the best inventor. I could go on a rampage of talking about how everything that God does is not just decent or average or mediocre. It is the very most supreme alpha best of everything. If God played baseball, his batting average would be 1,000. If God golfed, his score would be 18. God has never lost. His record is undefeated. Listen to me. We serve a God that is the absolute supreme best. And many of us, we wonder, why in the world do I like the best so much? It's because you come from it. So why is it, we go, we go to Luke 15 here, that we find this story so, I don't know, fascinating probably one of the greatest, uh, most frequently preached passages when it pertains to explaining to the world what Christianity is all about. And we find in the very beginning of the story, there's a father that has two sons, and the younger son comes to his dad one day and he says, Dad, give me, say it with me, give me. You know what we know about the son is uh, we know that he knows who the father is, he just doesn't know who he is. This is where most Christians are today. We know that God is good. We actually know that God will give us what we don't deserve. He says, give, come on, give me. And I, I believe that many, many Christians, uh, unfortunately, they live in the immature state of this prodigal son that their, their entire existence, they know that God is good, but they settle at the doorway of just give me. I want you to know that you could have everything given to you by God and still be completely empty. I know people that are supremely, I mean, on a ridiculous level, blessed by God and still as empty as everybody outside of the church. How could you be so empty when you have been so blessed? Let's look at an ancient passage. It says, Father, give me, give me what belongs to me in the future when I'm mature. 
what I want right now when I'm not ready for it. And you know what he says? Give me. And the Father is so good because he's the, good guess, because he's the best. He's the best dad. He's the best. And he's so good that he's like, all right, you want this son? And he gives his son all of his inheritance. So the younger son heads to Vegas. He rents out the presidential suite at Little uh, Caesar's Palace. Let's say Little Caesar's. <laughs> Pete's on the mind. <laughs> he went to Caesar's Palace, got the presidential suite. This guy, he, he, he took his money and he bought the best alcohol you could get through the best party you've ever been to. Smoked everything, drank everything, sniffed everything, slept with everything. And the Bible says the more he spent what his father gave him on himself, the emptier he became. Follow me today. He took what his father gave him, but he spent it on his own means. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that the epidemic of our generation is, is we take what God gives us, but we don't realize that the fastest way to emptiness is by taking the best that God gives us and only spending it on ourselves. Do you know what leads to, to emptiness faster than anything else? Is what I just share with you. Taking the best and giving it to something other than God. I want you to write this phrase down, very, very simple phrase. The best belongs to God. I'm going to say it again. Come on, I'm in Texas. I better get an amen. The best belongs to God. And you know why I believe many of us are empty? You're like, Mark, this is so elementary, so simple. What a, what a ridiculous message. But I'll be real with you, you're empty. People are, we're trying to satisfy an appetite that we can't get enough of anything. We give, we, we give in to sexual temptations, and the more you give into it, the more perverse and the more crooked you become. And the more debased your mind becomes. And the more you try to satisfy your appetite, the hungrier you get. You know, sin is like, like being thirsty and dehydrated and being surrounded by salt water. And it looks like it's going to satisfy you. And you think it's going to satisfy you. But the, the more you drink it, the faster you die. Not trying to be heavy today. I'm just trying to let you in on a secret that I believe the secret to your fulfillment, the secret to your satisfaction is realizing that the best, it belongs to God. So here's the story. It says that the son takes it, spends everything, comes to himself. He's like, I have no more food. I got no more money. And isn't it interesting that when the money's gone and the fame's gone, all of the friends aren't as friendly as you thought they were? <clears throat> That's why I love the church. Because there's people in here that you, people love you, whether you're rich. People love you whether you just came off the streets. Great churches like 1132 love you regardless of how much is in your bank. They'll love you on your up days. They'll love you on your down days. I'll be honest with you, the scariest place to be in life is in trouble with no community. So it says that he, he runs out. He's like, what am I doing with my life? I'm going home. My, my, my dad's house cleaners, the babysitters are doing better than I'm doing. So he goes, I write this letter. He's like, dad, come on, just make me the pool cleaner. That's all I want. Give me some of that Albertsons. Come on, fresh sourdough. That's all I need. Just give me some loaf of bread. I'm not going to, look, I'll, I'll, be a, I'll happily be a servant the rest of my life. I don't deserve to be your son. And I'll be real, true repentance is when you realize that you don't deserve God. You know what repentance is? It's taking God's side against yourself. I'd write that junk down if I was you. 
That's where repentance is going, oh my God, I don't deserve the goodness of God. I actually don't deserve it so much. Like, God, don't even make me like a part of your family. Just make me like a part of your like outer circle. I don't deserve to be under the same roof as you. Real repentance is like the Roman centurion that's like, look, I'm a man under authority. I know, just say, I say to somebody, go, and he goes, and come, and he comes. Just say the words, God. I don't deserve you to be under my roof. I'm not worthy of your goodness. And some of you have never really repented because you've never had a revelation of how good God is. And this son's like, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. Would you just make me, make me a house cleaner? Make me a servant. And he starts coming to his dad with his letter in his pocket. And his dad starts running towards him. And the son pulls it out and he starts to unfold it. And he gets his pre-rehearsed speech and he's shaking. He's probably crying. He's ashamed. He's barefoot. His clothes are all jacked up. And he's, he's half naked. And he's just standing there before his father. And he's, his dad's, before he can even really get a word out, he's like, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And boom! His dad starts grabbing him and kissing him. And he's... He's celebrating with his son, and his, his son's trying to get this, 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 this rhetoric out. And, the, and this father, who is the best father that we've, we've ever heard about in Scripture, he's like, before the son can say anything else, he's like, guys, bring out the very best robe. I don't want any robe. I want the best robe. Robes in that day represented approval. It represented in that moment that this son was fully and completely restored to what he lost. That's the first thing that the robe means. The ring represented authority. Only, only uh, owners had rings. Only rulers had rings. When Joseph got promoted, right, to be number two in the world, what did, what, did, what did Pharaoh do? He took off his signet ring and put it on Joseph's finger. Rings represent authority. And the moment this guy had an epiphany and said, God, you deserve my best. You know what God did is he put his authority back onto his life. Some of you, you love God, but there's no authority over sin. There's no authority over darkness. You're a victim of your feelings. And I want you to know today that when you give God your best, God will give you authority to rule in the areas that you can't control. Are you hearing me today? If you're going to clap, come on, give God a good hand clap this morning. Give God your best hand clap real quick. Come on, put your hands together. He's here. And it's amazing that this son, he, he has this revelation that, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. God, Father, you, you gave me this robe and this sandals and this, and this, and this, this ring. And he, and he realizes in that moment, can you imagine feeling like you might be lucky to get a job as a servant? And this dad is so good that he completely restores him after all the stupidity that he's gone through. And I couldn't help but to think this. You know what's interesting? God gave me this revelation that, that many, of the, many of us are like this kid, this kid in the story that we come back to God and he gives us a robe and he gives us a ring and he gives us sandals. You know what we do is we think that the robe and the ring and the sandals is God's reward. And God told me, he said, Mark, this son didn't view the robe, the ring, or the sandals as the reward. It actually revealed the real reward, which was the father's love. Do you know the greatest thing that God gives you? It's a really simple answer. The greatest thing that God has ever given humanity is himself. If God answers your prayer, gives you good health, that'll last until you die. God answers your prayer, gives you your dream house, you'll live in it until you go to heaven. Someone else will live in it. 
God gives you your dream wife, your dream husband. God, God can answer lots of prayers, and all of them are great. Keep praying them. But I want you to make no mistake about it. You could ask the prodigal son if he was standing here before you, what was the greatest thing the father gave you? I believe the answer would not be a robe. It would not be his ring. It would not be Tevas. Birkenstocks. The greatest thing that the father gave him, you know what he would probably tell you? His love. His love. His love. What is the greatest thing that God can give you today? It's his love. You see, it's interesting. We are like, well, I, I think I know this, Mark. I think I get this. I want you to know that you crave the best because you come from it. And I believe that you didn't just come from the best. God made you for the best. Someone say for it. Do you know that the reason why you're wired the way that you're wired is so that you could be the best person on the earth at being you? You know what I've learned is that greatness looks ordinary in the wrong setting. I, I worked at a grocery store. I sliced deli meat with a lot of moms. Come on. That was my job at Bible college. I was like, how much, what meat do you want? How much do you want? I was good, too. I was the guy that could like, you're like, oh, pound and a quarter? Okay, first try. Bam, pound and a quarter. I was good at my job. But you know what's interesting? I worked at a deli. But I'll be honest, I was a pretty good employee, but I wasn't the greatest Winco employee in history. I was good. I wasn't the best. I'll tell you why. It's because that wasn't what I was made to do with my life. And some of you don't like your life because you're living in a space that God didn't create you to live in. I'll be honest, there's some miserable preachers because they were called to be the best businessmen. And there's some miserable businessmen because they were called to be the best preachers. You will are you following me today? You'll never be satisfied giving your best in an area that God didn't call you to give it. Greatness looks ordinary in the wrong setting. But when you put the right person in the right place, they begin to thrive. And some of you today, you're like, Mark, what, was, what, what am I made from? I want to answer that question. You, my friend, are made from the best. You're like, Mark, I came from my daddy's an alcoholic. My mom was a drug dealer and a drug user and an abuser. I want you to know that you came through your parents, but you came from God. You came from God. You are, listen, you're from the best. You're like, Mark, I'm not good at anything. No, you are really, really awesome at something. And if you don't think you are, you just haven't discovered it yet. Because everything God makes is great somewhere. Man, this is good preaching. I wish I'd get an amen up in here. I'll take a Baptist head nod. Give me something. Come on, it's Pentecost Sunday. Take a Presbyterian eyebrow raise. Take a Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on. Greatness. Greatness is something that you came from, and greatness is something that God has called you to. You know what frustrates? You know why we're starting a church in Orange County? Because there's people that have established great lives and built great castles, but have never seen God's great kingdom. God's kingdom is great. And I'm tired of people thinking that the best part of everything belongs to the world. Best music, world. Best creators in society. Best, best everything, Mark. It's outside. If you want the best, you got to leave the church. I want to build a church that my kids never want to leave because it's the best they've ever seen. You see, I believe that Christians should write the best music. I believe that Christians, those that know the greatest creator on the earth, should be the most creative people on the planet. 
most successful businessmen, businesswomen, entrepreneurs, school teachers, happiest mailman, listen to me, should be people that know the best father on the planet. Come on, we worship the God of the best. But you tell people, Mark, the church should have the best, and we're like, no. The church should get the leftovers of society. You've believed a lie, my friend. Remember, we did a building program, and this businessman came up, good intentions. He said, hey, we just bought a new building, and all of our old furniture we don't need anymore. I know the church is growing and just built a new building. We want to give all of our old furniture uh, to the church. You know what I thought? I thought, this is very, I'm not trying to pick on this guy. I think it was a very good heart. But I think what that heart reveals, it exposes a truth about our generation that we believe that God's kingdom deserves leftovers. I'm going to buy new furniture for my office, but I'll give you, the church, my old stuff. And I believe in this little conundrum picture here, this little analogy, lies the, really the bedrock of our lives is we think God is, work, God is the best. We just don't give it to him. We treat God as an elective credit, not as a major credit. We give God our excess time, just not our best time. They call it primetime television because it's the best time of the day to watch TV. And what I believe we do is, I'm not trying to pick on the church. I'm I'm in the same seat you're in. I'm in the same boat you're in. I have to fight to keep God at the forefront. Write this down. Best and first are, are, are the same. Best and first are the same. How do you know if something's the best? It's the first. Like, how do you know who the champion was of last year's football season? They won the Super Bowl. They got what place? How do you know what's the best? They get, are you hearing me today? Who's ranked number one? It's the team that hasn't lost. It's the team with the what record? So first, I feel God speaking to someone today. First is best. Best is first. And a very simple message today, you came from best. You were made for best. I have a word from God. God told me as we worship today that this will be a summer. This will be the best summer of Church 1132. It's going to be the best summer ever. It will be. It'll be, it'll be the greatest atmospheres. You'll have the most salvations you've ever had in the summertime. This church will grow more than it's ever grown. But listen to me, the quality of this community will be stronger and better than it's ever been. What's going to change, Mark, is I believe one thing. It's not God. He doesn't change. You know what's going to change this year? Is you're going to give a revelation. Even today, I feel like some of you, the light bulb's starting to come on. That God deserves my best. Listen to me. We don't earn salvation. It's a gift. I'm not going to give God more and he's going to give me more. That's not the way it works. But I believe this son, if he was here today, he would tell you, look, while I was at my worst, the father hugged me and loved me and gave me his best. This is, in essence, this is Christianity. Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, God sent his very, listen to me, best. You know what Jesus is? The best gift. He's the best gift ever given to humanity. You know what the Holy Spirit is? He is the greatest gift ever given to us by Jesus. The Father's greatest gift was Jesus, and Jesus' greatest gift was the Holy Spirit. I feel like preaching today. Do you realize that nothing will mess you up faster than treating the best as average and treating the average as though it was the best? 
some of you realize that why am I so empty? I have everything that I've ever wanted. And it's exactly your answer is you've been living like this. God, give me what I want. Lost people, you know what they want? They want God to give me. Found people say, God, you're so good. What can I give you? I don't know where you're at today, but there's two types of people. Give me God or God, can I give you? There's three areas that we're going to give as church 1132, and I'm going to do this really fast. Is I believe if you want God to bless you and live a satisfied, fulfilled life, you got to make a decision today to respond to God by receiving his best. And as you receive God's best, number one, we respond by giving God our best of our time. Some of you, most important day of the week is the day that you want to do whatever you want to do. And I believe this, that whatever you want God to bless, you give him the first of it. Do you know why I love coming to church every week on Sunday? Because it's the first part of my week. I'm not saying you can't go on vacation. Can't say you can't have a boat, go out on the lake every once in a while. Please do. Get a tan. But I'll be real with you. Churches fill up when the economy's rough. And they empty out when things go well. God, please bless me. I'll do anything for you. And then God blesses you and you're gone. I heard one person say, <clears throat> prayer rooms <clears throat> get abandoned. When, when times are good. We stop praying when God begins to bless us. When God's good to us, we forget where we got blessed from. I heard businessmen in the recession say, God, if God saves my business, God saves my marriage, I'll give them the rest of my life. And as soon as the recession came out and they started being blessed again, they're gone. They're on all their toys on the weekend. They're too busy for church, too busy for God. That's not you, of course. That's the people in Idaho. But I want to challenge you today. You know what satisfies you? Giving God the best part of your time. I, I do this every day. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not far from it. But you know what? One thing I, I am proud of is before I look at anything on my phone, social media, emails, text messages, before I do anything else, I start the day in my Bible app. And I read through a chapter of the Bible. And before I look at anything else, I look at God's Word. And I take my favorite verse of the day and I send it. I have 75 or 80 football players and athletes and people that I send a Bible verse to every morning. One of my friends was here first service. He plays for the Cowboys. Just sign with you guys. He's going to start, he's going to start coming to the church. Don't bombard him, please. Don't freak him out. I told him you guys were normal. Come on. But he's going to start coming to church here. And, and uh, I send him a Bible verse every day, every day. And I want to encourage you, give God the first part of your day. Can I get an amen? Your time. Someone say talents. Do you know why you're empty? You're really good at what you're good at, but you only use your gift for yourself. If you're friendly and you're good at sales, use your friendliness to greet people in God's house at the door. If you're a good musician and you made money playing music, start using your gift. Come on, once a month, play in the band. Well, Mark, they won't let me play in the band, so I'm not going to use my gift for God. If the need is with the nursery kids, get your guitar, get out of your ego, and use your gift for God to play in front of four-year-olds. Come on. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. It's very simple. Give God your talents. Mark, I'm really good with money. I'm not good at anything. I'm good, good at making money. Could it be that the reason why you're still empty is because you've only used the money that you've received for yourself to make your, your castle better? I say this all the time. Most Americans are more interested in building their castle than they are in building God's kingdom. Use what you're good at for God. And finally, I'll be done. Is I believe this morning that we need to give God our treasure. I'm not talking about, well, you're talking about tithing. I think tithing's a part of it. 
But I think it's way bigger than money. I think it's giving God your adoration. God, I adore you. You're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Reinhard Bonnke, he's led millions of people to Jesus. He was being interviewed one time and someone said, are the crowds, what does the crowd, being up in front of a million people at one time, what does it do to you? And Reinhard Bonnke responded and he said, the crowds are not my reward. The presence of Jesus every day in my life is my reward. I want you to write this down. It's not what's in God's hand. It's in what's God's heart that is your greatest asset. God told Abraham in Genesis 15, he said, Abraham, do not be afraid, for I am your shield, and I am your great reward. The greatest thing, please write this down, the best thing that the Father can give you is not a robe, it's not a ring, it's not a house or a wife. The greatest thing that God gives you is himself. So treasure it. Don't treat the best average, and don't treat the average as though it was the best. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.